Okay, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 today, so turn there, and uh, if you don't have a Bible, put your hand in the air, we're going to get you a Bible. We're not going to put the verses up on the screen today, and so you're going to want to follow along with us. I'm going to hit a few different verses throughout our time, and so if you need a Bible, hands high, and our, our faithful interns will come by with, uh, with Bibles for you, okay? And actually, it looks like Nate will as well, because the interns are slacking. Okay, um, Here's the deal, Romans 12, we are in week uh, five, keep them raised high, okay? Uh, We are in week five of a mini-series on love, okay? When we moved from Romans 11 into Romans 12, we kept saying this over and over, there was a transition between really the first 11 chapters of Romans and the last five chapters of Romans. In the first 11, we get deep, rich theology about what the gospel is, how, how it really changes us, impacts us, and then 12 through 16, these last five chapters are really applicational, okay? They become for us, this is what gospel-centered life looks like. Okay, if we love Jesus, if you signed up for 1 through 11 and said, I'm in, I believe that, I believe that, I love the gospel, then 12 through 16 all of a sudden becomes this primer for, for Christian life. Um, what we said here is chapter 12 then kind of starts us off in this, this eight-week mini-series on love. Gospel-centered love looks like this. And so we've looked at some different things throughout our time. Today, um, we're doing something... It, well, let me just say this. The title of the sermon is Endure. Okay, today being the fifth outworking of this gospel-centered love, this idea is endure. Now, in and of itself, this doesn't make much sense. In order to endure, you must be doing something first. And so there is a type of love that is mandated already, that we've spoken about already, that God says, keep going. Okay? Don't stop. If you've already begun to love, you need to continue to love. Now, I think at face value, this sounds pretty easy. We look around at some relationships in our life, and we, we think at face value, yeah, like, I can keep loving this person, right? I can keep loving people. But I think if we take maybe just an additional few seconds just to let that marinate about how often does maybe our love fall short, or, or maybe how often does the way that we love people only go so far, so, so, we, so we love, and we love, and we love, and then they do something, and so we hit the brakes, and we say, you know what, well, maybe that's too much. Okay, or, or we love, and we love, and we love, and then they do something, and then we just get so frustrated. We get so frustrated, we just go the other direction. We don't even just stop. We, we say, I gotta get out of here, I gotta bail. And so the encouragement from Paul today in the midst of this series on love is, okay, we're talking about what gospel-centered love, what this ethic looks like, you need to keep at it. You need to keep going. Okay. I was speaking with, with Nate Zyman. He's our worship director here. And he was talking this week about how when him and his wife Emily had their little baby Tempe, um, they, they went to the doctor. And, and Dr. Bosch said, you know, as you raise your kid, you know, it's, it's kind of like your heart is now living outside of your body. Your, your heart is now living outside of your body. And so you look to this child, and all of a sudden, there's all this just love that's poured out. It's vulnerable. It's in the open now. It can be hurt. It can be scarred because it's no longer protected in here. It belongs out there. And, and so as you're sharing this with me, I, and, and many of you guys might not even notice, so we had a baby last week. My wife and I had our first baby boy. And, uh, and here's, here's the scene in the delivery room without getting too much detail because that would gross you out. But we were... Um, there we were, and it's hour 42 of labor, and, and, and she's finally ready to get this thing out, okay? And so we're there, and the baby starts to come. Again, don't picture it, but the baby starts to come, and he comes out, and there's 
goop and all of this stuff and there's tentacles and things hanging and I'm like it's an octopus you know and I don't know it was a boy so I'm looking for those parts and so it's just this this kind of chaos moment um, and then in the in the split second I kid you not, in the split second that our doctor takes little Finley and places him on my wife's chest and they're doing skin to skin stuff and, and he opens his eyes for the first time right I was in like, like fully in. I was so in love with this little boy, and I did not, it was just, my heart, it just walked out, right? And just rested right on my son. And then day five happened, okay? And it's 3 a.m. in the morning, and he's woken up for the 400th time, and he will not shut up, okay? <laughs> and I, in my heart, I'm like, okay, I I think I still love you, right? But I'm getting frustrated. I'm thinking, man, what are you, you just, I'm just beginning to just like, I want to sleep. What are you doing? Why won't you understand? Just listen to me, you know, and he's obviously five days old, and so it doesn't get any, but so, so my love, right, even in this moment, all this love in that first moment, that first glimmer is just there and poured out, and the emotion is good, and then in that first real hesitation of trial, when it comes at me, I kind of backtrack just a little bit. Like, surely, do I still obviously love my son? Yes. But man, it got really hard. It got really hard to love the way that the Bible calls me to love my son and calls me to love you and calls me to, calls me to love my enemy. Okay? It, it, it gets exponentially more difficult when we identify that the love that we're called to is a pretty big deal. It's not a love of the world. It's not something that you can just buy in for a moment and then pull back. It's not something that you can just say, okay, I'm really into you, but now that it's gotten hard, I'm going to step away. That's not the love that we've been learning about. Okay. The love we've been learning about, and this is, listen, this is just from the first four weeks of this series. Okay. The love that, that we're called to is gospel-centered, consistent, sacrificial, gift-employing, other-focused, community-oriented, and righteously motivated. Okay, I'll say it one more time. Ready? Gospel-centered means, listen, the gospel is the motivation for everything you do, okay? It's consistent, right? It doesn't stop. It keeps going. It's sacrificial, meaning it's probably going to cost you something. Gift-employing means you have to use your talent and gifts to love well. It's other-focused. You're not the center. It's community-oriented. People become involved, and it's righteously motivated. You are not the center, it's not about your status. It's about the other person. It's not about what you're going to get out of it. It's what they're going to get out of it. That's the type of love that we are called to. And so what verse 12 then becomes for us, okay? What Paul is doing here now with verse 12 is to say, if you love this way, you're going to need these three things, okay? If you seek to love in a way that the Bible calls you to love, you need verse 12, now, if, if you just want to love in a way that's, that's a little easier, that doesn't involve self-sacrifice, doesn't involve consistency, doesn't involve all these other things, then by all means, these are just mere suggestions for you. They won't become necessity for us. Verse 12 doesn't become that good of news for us unless you're actually loving the way Jesus calls you to love people. And so even as we go through this and we look at some of the things, they can be indicting upon our own faith. 
Because even as I was looking at some of the stuff and the stuff that Paul says, okay, do this, this, and this, I'm like, man, I don't do those all that much. Well, then I began to think, man, maybe I have a love problem. Maybe it's not that I don't pray that much. It's that maybe I don't love that much. And so I think that's something we have to navigate even over the next 30 minutes or so as we, as we get through this. C.S. Lewis, he says it like this. He says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. How many of us love that way? I ask myself this question all week, every day as a prevalence of, do I love this way? Where my heart is out there, it's vulnerable, it's open, it can be torn to shreds, but because God offers what we're about to study, I don't have to shrink back, and neither do you. That the gospel then empowers us to be people that love God and love the world the way that Christ did. That, that's, that's the hope for today, okay? So um, I, as I talked to people, a few people this week, and I sent some emails out, and I said, man, as you've really tried to exercise some gospel-centered love, what is some of the pushback you've had? And then I began to think through my own stories. What are the stories, and we've all got them, where you've put yourself out there, you've pursued someone in love, you tried to care for a friend, care for a family member, care for a class, whatever it was, and it just got thrown back in your face, and you got discouraged, or you got fearful, and you got timid, you got apathetic. And, and these are just a few of the things that I heard. I heard that, you know what, I put myself out there, but they just didn't, they never were able to trust me. Uh, I put myself out there, but they didn't ever care. They never seek to actually heed the advice I was giving them. They always just seemed too far gone. They hurt others, and so how could I continue to love them? They hurt me, and so how could I continue to love them? They rejected me altogether. Their suffering would never seem to end, and I couldn't do it anymore. All of these different lines, man, it just got too hard for me. So a lot of you, listen, I get it. Many of you probably have similar experiences. You know, even just spending time with married couples, some, this happens in marriage, right? Your spouse is just, man, I can't take it anymore. And you see marriages just begin to crumble because it gets too hard. So there, listen, I, this, what we talk about, it does not negate the reality that those experiences exist. It just says, let us move those through a lens of the gospel that allows us to see this love is still possible, even amidst how hard it might get for you and for me. Okay. Again, that's what verse 12 does for us. So here we go. Verse 12. We'll read all together. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Okay? Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Joy, patience, and dependence. Those are the three. If you are loving like Jesus, you need these. These become necessity for your soul or you will crumble or you will fail. It will not work. So joy, Patience and dependence. Let's first look at the first one. 12a, rejoice in hope. Okay. Rejoice in hope. So when love gets hard, when love gets difficult, rejoice in hope. Okay. Celebrate in hope. Rejoice. Sing. Dance. Allow your heart to grow in its affection for hope. Now, I think we struggle with this because sometimes we just... We live in a culture that, that's a bit hopeless. 
Right? We, we live in a culture that says, you know what, don't worry about what might happen. If you're experiencing pain today, then, then that's a problem. It doesn't matter if, if there's an end result that might be greater. If, if, if the hope doesn't exist for just today, then you should bail. Bless you. And I begin to think about it, and I think about it, and when I talk to people who don't love Jesus, and if you're here and you're not a Christian, great, welcome, good to have you. But that makes a lot of sense to me. If you're not a Christian, there, I, I see no need to think about the future. Because if this is it, if today's it, and we don't serve a God who, as we'll see, is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, if that's, if that's not true, then eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Okay, and and that's, that's, that's the reality. And so rejoice in hope. Sing praise in hope. What are we hopeful for? A couple things, and there could be numerous ones. I just wrote down a couple. Romans 8, 28, all things work out for the good of those who are calling, who love him and are called according to his purpose. That whatever it is in, in your putting yourself out there, in your loving of people, and as it gets trampled on over and over and over again, know that even that God is going to use for good. That even, listen, even the most broken relationships each of you are experiencing right now, I guarantee you, in the midst of that brokenness, God is working them out for good. He's bigger, he's smarter, he knows what he's doing. Okay. The second thing we hope in is that we're not the one that need to fix people. Okay? You will not fix someone. You cannot love someone into being fixed. That's God's job. God will transform hearts. God will renew minds. God will do all of the work on the interior that you cannot do. Your responsibility is to continue to love and continue to love and continue to love and work out what this looks like. Sacrifice, okay, consistency, gospel-centeredness, on and on and on. These things are to be hopeful for. So wherever you're at today, right, you're seeking to love and it's gotten hard. Whatever relationship, find hope in the truth that God is using this experience for good. Okay? Might not seem like it today, and I get that. I've been there. He's using it for good. And then be encouraged, number two, that God is all-powerful and it's him that's going to change, fix, renew, and restore, and it's not on you. Release that burden from yourself. Let it go. And I, talk, I talk to so many people. I, I sit down with so many people, and they're like, man, I just, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, son, daughter. I mean, it's, I, I just keep trying to pour and, and teach and show love, and it's gotten to, and I'm saying, listen, take that burden off you that you're going to be the one to fix this person. It's not your job. It's your job to love. It's your job to be like Jesus but it's Christ's job to actually transform, okay? Be free from that. Be free from that expectation, because listen, if you maintain it, if you try and keep that on your shoulders, that will not last. You will fall and fail underneath the weight of that expectation. No one can bear it, only God himself, okay? So rejoice. If we're, you know, we're gonna sing some more songs. If you're here today, and there's a weight on you, and, you've been try and relationships are hurting, men, sing and praise and rejoice. Find joy today because God is doing something. And he's that good and powerful. Okay? Now, um, 12b, be patient in tribulation. Okay, be patient in tribulation. When love gets hard, we seek patience in the trial. Okay? 
When love gets difficult, we seek patience in the trial. And, and I mean, I tell you, there was story after story after story kind of running through my mind as I thought through this stuff this week. And, and there was this gal, and I'll just share a story, and I won't share her name fully, but we'll just call her B. Okay. Um, and, and there was this gal, B, and my wife and I had spent just a ton of time with her. She came kind of out of nowhere, showed up to church one day, got plugged into our redemption community, our small group, begins to meet people. And I tell you, it was, it was literally just one of those situations. She's a single mother, and, and, and just a past that you would not believe, right? a, a past that was just filled with brokenness, hurt, and pain. Okay. And then in our relationship with her, I tell you, every week there seemed to be a new thing, right? There just seemed to be like a new thing where, okay, we thought we, we figured it out. We thought happiness would come. We thought we conquered this. We thought we got it all together for her, and then something else would just kind of come up out of the woodwork, and we'd be back to square one. I just, oh, I mean, I mean, this process went on for three years. I mean, we, we bought her three different vehicles, okay? And not my wife and I in our community, three different vehicles, and they would all break down because she wasn't doing the right things with her vehicles, okay? She had a young boy. We tried to do things as far as get him tutoring and, 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 and this, and she wouldn't take him. I mean, on and I mean, it's just over and over, these things. And you're just like, man, why don't you get this? And every piece of me and every piece of my wife just wanted to bail. Like, this, is, this, isn't, this isn't good. She's not getting it. This is a waste of our time. Patience was not something we were all that excited about implementing in this relationship. Okay. But again, I began to think about even this week that if, if God's calling us to this type of love, okay, this gospel center, consistent, sacrificial, gift employing, other focus, community oriented, that type of love, then man, this should be somewhat expected. Right? Shouldn't this just be expected for us? Why do we always seem so surprised? When you love someone and you love them the way that Christ did, you should expect hardship. You should expect tribulation because they're not Jesus. They're not perfect and they're going to break and they're going to fail you over and over and over again. And yet the gospel still calls us to love like that. So we should expect that patience would be necessary. And I think we see this in, in two ways that we can be encouraged this direction again. One, um, God's timing is not your timing. Okay? As much as you want it to be, Right? And, we, and again, we talk about this, we live in that culture right, where we want stuff right now. So we have our iPhones, we get whatever we want. Okay? We have microwaves so you can heat up that hot pocket. You know, whatever, whatever it is, man, we can have it just like that. And so when our timing doesn't line up with God's, and let's be honest, this happens pretty frequently, we freak out. One of my favorite uh, songs, this song uh, by Cademan's Call, and one of the lines, and it says that this day's been crazy, but everything's happened on schedule. Right? And, I, and I love that idea. Like This day has been absolutely nuts, and you've all had those days where everything just seems to be falling apart, and you're like, what's going on? You get to the end, and you're pulling out your hair, and you're yelling at your roommate, but everything that day happened on schedule. Crazy. Everything that day happened on schedule, happened as it was going to happen, happened so that it might move you to still have to be loving to God and to man, and practice patience, okay? So God's timing is not your timing. The second reason why I think we can push into this is, um, guess what? Freaking out does nobody any good, okay? Like, honestly, and, and remember, try right now. I'm gonna give you six seconds. 
Try and remember a time when you losing your mind and freaking out actually did any good. Six seconds is a long time. Bam, anything? No, okay? There wasn't one, and if there was, you're lying, okay? This is church, don't do that. Um, it doesn't help anyone. And listen, that's not just like a self-help platitude. That's, that's the Bible, okay? Let me read Psalm 37, verse seven and eight. It says this, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Be still before the Lord, wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his evil way. Refrain from anger, forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. Okay? You, you just being impatient and anxious and just freaking out does nothing good. Even if you're seeing all this evil and it's triumphing and you're like, how is this happening? And it, it does no one any good. Wait, be still, be patient before God. Go back and remember, he's working all things for good. Don't forget these, listen, this, this is not recommendation. This is not, this is not something you're going to go to the self-help and Oprah wrote a book on this. Well, she probably did, but she, she's not referencing Jesus. He's the one who wrote all this stuff. Honestly, you go and you read all that self-help stuff, guess what? All that stuff finds itself, it finds itself right in the Bible. I mean, it's just, it's right here. Don't freak out. Don't freak out, not because it's just better and it's cool to be chill, which I used to think, being from Southern California. Don't freak out because we serve and know a God who is perfect and bigger than any situation or relationship you find yourself in right now, okay? We can continuously still love this type of love because these are true, okay? Okay? So rejoice, okay? Raise holy hands, sing, dance, whatever it looks like for you. Whatever stirs your affection for Jesus, do that a lot. Praise him, do all that, okay? And then, and then be patient. Wait, relax. God's, God's got this. And then the last one, be constant in prayer, okay? Be constant in prayer. When love gets hard, pray constantly, okay? Pray constantly. Now, this seems somewhat impossible, and, and if you're thinking to yourself, Okay, so am I supposed to just, everywhere I go, I talk out loud even though people are looking, okay? No, don't do that. Okay, that's, that is weird. Um, what this means, this word constant, that you, you get into kind of the, the context and you get into uh, kind of the, the old language and all that stuff. This means more, it's just constantly present, okay? That there's this constant presence that's involved. So it's like your iPhone, okay? That in any given moment, that thing is just right next in your pocket, Okay, and you can pull it out and you can dial in. Okay, that that's the kind of intimacy that's trying to be experienced here. As Paul says, be constant in prayer. Be so close to have God right there. Have him with you. Listen, he resides in your heart. Have him there. Be, understand that the access is 24-7. Okay, it, it's, it's 4G LTE times a billion. That's what we're talking about. Constant interaction is possible with God. So pray constantly as things get hard, okay? Now I just wonder, is this ever, is this ever our first flinch? Is this ever, our first, like, uh, Nate, Nate was, we were just doing something before service, and Nate was missing something. I can't remember what it was, and I was just like, he went back there to look for it, 
And I was just like, hey, man, do you pray that, pray that you'd find it? You know what I mean? And, and that sounds somewhat silly. Like, why would you do that? It's because God tells you to. Do, I, I think we've lost this idea of, of pray, because we've just lost our dependence on him. We've become so self-reliant. You've become so self-reliant. I can figure this out. I'm capable enough. And so we don't need to go to God with everything, which he calls us to go to him with everything. That we be constant in prayer, consistently consulting Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit in you, to move you to love well. Okay. And a couple of reasons why... Um, when love gets hard, we pray constantly. Uh, number one, because God hears you. Okay. God hears you. Psalm 40, verse 1 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. I waited patiently. He was crying out. Right? He turned his ear to you, and he heard your cry. God hears you, and so pray. The God of the universe, the one who created you, the guy that we worship, the guy that over two billion people in the world worship hears you. He inclines your, his ear to you. Pray to him. Talk to him. Secondly, um, I think oftentimes we need to reconnect with God's heart. So, so listen, in your relationships, as you're seeking to love, and as you seek to love, again, whatever relationship, you seek to love the city of Flagstaff, you seek to love your classmates, you seek to love your wife. Okay, constantly I think we need to reorient ourselves back into God's heart. Prayer does that for us. Because we'll just keep going, right? We'll just keep going. We're going to keep loving. We're going to keep trying. Keep going to go our own direction. And we get tunnel vision, and we miss the fact that God is the one that's doing all this. We miss kind of the first two minutes we just talked about. Okay. And so the third one, Ephesians 3.20. Ephesians 3.20, because God will do abundantly and immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. Okay? Here. And, and that, listen, that verse is, you know what I mean? We talk about it. It's, it's on every grandma's pillow that loves Jesus in all of America, okay? Ephesians 3.20, God will do abundantly and immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. But if you just take a minute, right, and begin to think about this, God, again, this guy who created you, did everything all powerful, that guy will do abundantly and immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine, Take that to the bank. This is the word of God. This is, again, this is not some random line. This is God's. I will do abundantly and immeasurably more. So pray constantly. You want to love well? Pray a lot. Okay? Pray a lot. Now, I, I was thinking about these things, and I often think about our church, right? So we, we planted this church almost two years. It'll be two years in October. And we're always trying to kind of see where we're at. Where are we at as a congregation? Where are we at as individuals, on staff, people we talk to? Where are we at in our love and in our discipleship, right? Are, are we being transformed into the image of Jesus? And we've said this over and over, that Romans constantly point us to that the chief purpose of God for you and for me is that we would be more like Jesus. You hear me? It's not just that you would be saved. That's a part of it. It's that you would look and act and be from your internal core to your external actions more like Jesus. That's his desire. And so as I begin to put us through this lens and this church through this lens and myself through that lens, I have to begin to ask myself, even as we looked at these things this week, how come, how come we struggle to, I think, develop a real strong culture of, of joy and rejoicing in this place? 
Listen, we sing some songs, and it's great, and sometimes, man, Nate and the band, they're just crushing it, and we, we get after it. But, but a lot of times, and listen, this is, this is from an outside, and I'm just, I don't know all of your hearts, so maybe inside you're just moving and you're going, I don't know. But I remember my experience, and I know how sometimes I can have this, I come into this place and we're singing and we're praising true words about God and about what he's done, and yet I stand there just kind of still and stagnant and just kind of get through the song. And I think through my life in the way that I want to worship and with everything I do, and yet somehow apathy and all these other things creep in. And I have to ask myself, why, why don't we rejoice? And, and then I say, man, I, I speak with a lot of people, and so many of the, the, the counseling appointments I find myself in is just, just a lot of impatience and a lot of pride. Why are we so impatient? Why am I so impatient? And then we get to how come we don't have this, this robust culture of prayer here? This robust dependence on God. How come when we have people come over here and, ask, and listen, there's people over here that want to pray for you, we get one or two people to trickle up. Listen, and, and I don't say this as a, listen, it's bad if you don't go up. I'm just saying, man, if, if we truly believed that we need to be dependent on God, there would just be some different stuff happening. That when we organize and we say, listen, we're going to do a prayer meeting at 9 a.m. before service, come and pray for your city, come and pray for your friends, come and pray for your family, do all that, that no one shows up. And I just wonder why. Why don't we pray? Why don't we rejoice all that well? And why are we so impatient? And so much often the discussion becomes, well, we just need to work on those things, right? And I think that's true, but I... I think what this passage reveals, what this verse reveals, what Paul is trying to get at, is it's not that we have a prayer problem. And it's not that we have a joy problem. It's not that you have a patience problem. It's that we have a love problem. I, I, I just begin to even look at my own heart and I ask myself frequently, like, do I really love God to the amount that I think I do? Do you really love God to the amount you think you do? Do you really love your friend, your roommate, your coworker, your whatever, the amount you think you do? Because I think what, what Paul's getting at here is that if, if we did, I, I just, if, if I loved God the way I think the Bible calls me to love, man, I'm, I just think my prayer life looks different. I think my rejoicing looks different. I think my patience looks different. And so when those three things seem to be lacking, I have to return to the fact that maybe, maybe the issue is that I, I don't love all that well. That the type of love that I seek to exhibit seems to align far more with what the world offers than what the Bible offers. And, and, and here, that's heavy, and it should be. And it should be because what's promised is far greater for us. That the joy and the patience and the hope and, and all this, it, it's better for us. So let's figure out this love issue. Okay? Um, what we believe is that the Holy Spirit is that God transforms us. And we started chapter 12 with this, right? Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Okay? By, by the sanctification of your heart, you'd be made more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is changing you through your hardship, okay? Through your hardship, you're becoming more like Jesus. And so, welcome it and love in the midst of it, okay? 
C.S. Lewis, again, and I don't love him that much, but he's pretty good. He says, if you're seeking to be more patient and you pray for more patience, don't expect God to just all of a sudden make you more patient. Expect him to put you into situations that cause you to learn how to be patient. Expect him to put you into relationships where you're called to love, but it's going to be hard, but yet you're going to learn to be patient. You're going to learn to rejoice in hope. You're going to learn to pray and be dependent upon him. Okay? This is true for wherever you go. Wherever you go in life, whatever job you land on, okay, whatever spouse you end up with, whatever kids get, you get to be blessed with, whatever roommates you live with, whatever small group you attend, whatever church service you go to, all of it, look through the lens of how is God trying to use this place or this person to make me more like Jesus. That's how we need to approach love. That we, be more like, we, we would be made more like him. So if you go to a church service, and say, say you go to a church service and, and everything is just beautiful and perfect. The worship is just right on with what you like. Everyone is super happy and super joyful and loves you and treats you well and encourages you and does all this stuff. Great, guess what you'll learn there? You'll learn joy and you'll learn peace, right? You'll learn what it means to just be in great, authentic, good community. You'll learn what it's like to worship in a setting that really gets your heart going, all that stuff, right? But I tell you what, if you show up to a church service and it's all the opposite, right? Everyone's rude to you. You can't stand the music. The sermon was terrible. On and on, all, all the negatives you could come with. Guess what? It's not that you should cut, bait, turn, and run. It's that you should ask yourself, well, what's God trying to teach me here? Because you will learn things in that church service that you would not learn in the one that's perfect. You'll learn forbearance. You'll learn patience. You'll learn what it means to love even in the midst of things you don't like. Wherever God draws you, wherever you find yourself, ask yourself, what is God trying to teach me? How is he trying to make me more like Jesus? These three things that we talk about today, being more patient, praying more, being more dependent on God, and rejoicing in hope, these are things that God will do in your heart in the midst of hardship, in the midst of the fact that, even, that we're supposed to love even though it's difficult. You will look more like Christ and that is God's chief desire for you because it is where you will find his chief joy. Life is best lived in worship of him and as we look more like his son. I'll just land with this. There was never and will never be another man on the face of the earth that exemplified this more than Jesus. Right? I mean, it's obvious. Listen, Jesus fulfills this perfectly. He loved perfectly. We go back to that list, right? So gospel-centered, consistent, sacrificial, Jesus on a cross, anyone, right? Other focus for us. No one exemplified this better than Christ. And then you find in him that he constantly seemed to walk in joy. Luke 10, 21, in that same hour, he rejoiced with the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. He embodied patience and long-suffering. He said, Matthew 5, 38, you've heard it say, an eye, for, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you in the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone takes your tunic, let him have the cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. He said, listen, if, if there's gonna be hardship, and I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna, listen, I'm gonna go beyond. I'm gonna love beyond that. Jesus did this. He preaches this. He teaches this. And last one, he remained dependent consistently on his Father. God himself, Jesus, in the flesh, remained dependent on the Father. John 5, 19. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. 
Listen, look to Jesus. You want the most practical application you can have once you leave this place? Look to Jesus. Go, go, just go home, spend the week, get in the Gospels, study that guy's life, and see the way he loved consistently and faithfully and sacrificially. And in that process, I promise you, if you continue to persevere, continue to love, you will look more like Jesus because you will grow in your patience, in your rejoicing, and in your prayer and dependence upon God. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and hope and mercy and peace. And God, just everything that you bless us with that we, um, kind of all of these, these traits and things that we kind of just struggle with on our own and we kind of mess around with. Lord, I just pray for us, even as we respond right now, that there would be, um, there's a ton of humility. That's a hard text. I know it kind of tore me apart, God, this week, and you saw a lot of that. And I pray that you'd just, um, you'd bring consistent humility to your people, that there would be a lot of repentance, a lot of confession, where there need be repentance and confession. God, for, for the people here who are just loving well, that are just consistently and faithfully putting themselves out there and caring for people, God, I just pray your blessing over their lives. God, I pray that you right now would just give them joy even in the midst of the biggest hardship. God, that their hearts would be so dependent upon you that prayer would become their best friend. God, that you would teach them more and more about what it means to be patient. God, for, for those of us, and, and it happens all of us, we're in and out of these things. God, where we just kind of fail, we, we, we just pray your mercy and grace and we thank you that the truth of the gospel is that we're gonna fail in this. But because, Jesus, you did this perfectly, we rest in you. We rest in the burden and the yoke that you've given us, and we give ours to you. So, Lord, thank you that we have relationship with, we are loved by the one person that enables us to even have a chance at loving others. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for saving us. God, you're good. In your name we pray.